Twitter, it's your boy. Well, not Twitter. What's good? It's your boy, Southview706. This is going to be podcast. We got a special edition episode. We're going to go over a couple of our favorite albums, rap albums from 2017, just to kind of start the new year off. Yeah, I know it's 2018, but it's our podcast. We do what we want to. So definitely vibe with us. We got Marcus Sniffles and we got It's Triple Rocking with us tonight. What's good, y'all? What's going on? What's up? What's up? All right. So to jump right into it. Uh, the criteria for this list that we're going to go over is going to be lyrics, production, number of skippable tracks, favorite tracks, album ranking, and if we had to choose one album to be stuck with on a deserted island. So that's how we're going to frame this, just to keep y'all on track. So we're going to let uh, Tribbles go first, you know, ladies first, respectable gentlemen in 2018. So start off with your list of your top five albums, and we'll go with Marcus, and then I'll go last. All right, um, so I'll start uh, with number five. I got Rhapsody's Layla's Wisdom um, coming in at number five. Four, I got Big Crit, Forever's um, A Mighty Long Time, which was like a double disc. Three was Rather You Than Me by Rick Ross. Two, um, this kind of hurt me to put this at two just because I'm like a huge Jay-Z fan, but two, I got uh, 444. And one is Kendrick Lamar's Damn. All right, uh, my top five. Number five, Migos Culture. Number four, Rhapsody, Layla's Wisdom, Jay-Z. Number three, 444. Sci-High, number two, with No Dope on Sundays. And Kendrick Lamar with Damn. So our lists are similar with a few slight variations. So my list is going to be The God MC, Jay-Z, 444. Then I'm going to go with Damn, Rather You Than Me, The Autobiography of Big Mensa, and no dope on Sundays. From top to bottom? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you said, I thought you had a side high number one. I was like, damn. Yeah. Nah, nah, I mean, nah, it was nah. a good album, but I was like, I don't know if I'd put a number yeah. one. I like, like your, number one. <laughs> your debut yeah, album, has, number one. <laughs> I mean, it has some, it has some tracks on there. He has some, he definitely spent some bars. So uh, we'll start with triples lyrically. Let's go to your list. You have damn, I got that 2444. I got that. I got Rick Ross. You have Crit and Rhapsody. What made you round it out with Rhapsody and Crit? Um, Rhapsody was really like a toss-up. Like, I, I literally, like, right before the podcast, I had to sit down, and I'm looking at all the albums that came out, and it was just like, one, I will I will say I did kind of put it up there simply because I think female rap, it, it, it doesn't get the respect that it deserves. And Rhapsody is, like, I think one of the best female rappers we have out right now. Um, oh, what are you talking about? Cardi B is the best female rapper we have right now. She's getting all the, the love and respect, man. Lyric, sure, sure. Lyrically, lyrically, <laughs> we will not disrespect <laughs> Rhapsody, all the, all the other female rappers that are speaking like bar for bar. Shout out to Cardi B, though. But um, yeah, Rhapsody, I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of put her on there because I thought, like, you know, nobody gave her the credit that she deserves, honestly. Like, I was looking at a couple of lists. Um, like from some of the major publications and she was down in that latter half and I was like, yo, she outspit some of the people that they put up top. Um, but Big Crit, I think also Big Crit is a very underrated rapper. Um, I will say I slept on Crit for a very long time, but like listening to this album, you, you, you got a feel of who he was, like for who he was. And it was just like lyrical, like, uh, I won't say a lyrical genius, but just like a lyrical country nigga over like some trap beats. And it was just like, I fell in love. And then you get to the double disc, which was at a slower pace, but then you really got to hear him like, like his bars, what he really had to bring to the game. So those two, de- I mean, honestly, compared to the other, the other names that I had, I mean, other albums I had listed out, 
those uh, two made the most sense to put them in at four and five. Yeah, I may or may have not finished Bickers album yet, but Marcus, go ahead. I felt I, I did feel I, it hurt me to not put Crit in my top five because I really enjoyed his album, and I it, it came for me came in at number six. But I mean, a lot of people, sadly, still a lot of people sleep on Crit. Like I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's a Southern bias thing still with him because he's. He's really Southern. Like, he's Mississippi Southern. And that's different from, like, Atlanta Southern. And, you know, maybe it's his, his thick accent. Maybe it's because he's independent now. I don't know what it is. But his album was really – I thought it was really powerful, especially the, the second disc and the production on it was was great. And when he raps, he's rapping like, yo, you, you guys are not going to leave me off your top five list. That's how he raps to me. When he's rapping, he raps like, hey – I, I see Kendrick over there, but you're going you're gonna to respect what I'm doing over here, too. And that's that's what I love about him. Shout out to Meridian, Mississippi. Yeah, so talking about the lyrics, uh, Tribbles, we'll start out with your uh, – I'm going to bounce around a little bit. Start off with your number one you picked down from Kata. So lyrically, what made you put that as your top album? Um, I lo- like – I think number one with me, I love any album that you can press play in it and it tells a story all the way through. Um, and I thought the the re- the fact that he even re re put the album out and, and flipped it backwards like that re- really like I can't I think it kind of like stamped it as number one because I, I go back and forth like every day with damn being number one or four 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 but um, damn ultimately to me it you you have to listen to Kendrick like you can't just in my opinion you can't just like sit sit in the house or sit in your car and be you know have a conversation and Kendrick be on and you're like oh yeah that was hot it's like no like Kendrick's the way he delivers it the the content that he's providing like you have to listen and once you sit down and listen it like internally like resonates with you like and like I said as I was pre- preparing for the podcast like I'm going back through making sure like you know my my list is in order and I just run damn you know really quick and I literally listen to fear like five times like damn like I really fucking feel like this. So I just think like being able to connect with, you know, the different things, but it's also how he delivers it as well is what put that at my number one. All right, Marcus, what you had damn also is your number one. So what made you pick that lyrically? Um, Lyrically, I feel like he was, he was showing that he could give you something that could be played on the radio, but you still had to listen to the lyrics. And obviously he showed his ass on a lot of these tracks the 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 song that i really feel like he like just showed out on was feel and that song the beats not really anything special but the way he's rapping the way no pun intended the way he feels when he's rapping the way he makes you feel it's almost like you're in his shoes when he's rapping about you know there's nobody out there praying for him he's just out here he's he feels paranoid. There's no, there's a lack of trust between his his family and friends. Now that he's making money, you know the world is caving in on him. Like he, what what is he gonna do? And you're just like, damn man, I I I feel where you're coming from, man. Like I'm obviously I'm not you know a big super mega rap star or whatever, but it's a very relatable feeling to to be in a position where you're kind of better off than than other people or doing better. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're 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 not the one that's changing. You know, they say that about you know athletes and celebrities when they make when they come into money, they're not the person that's going to change. It's the people around you that change. 
and all of a sudden, you know, your homeboys from, from back in the day that were just cool, just supported your dream. Now they're like, Hey, you know, can you throw me a couple thousand dollars? And if you say no, then they want to drag you. They want to sell your secrets, stuff like that. You know, you think even back to the life of Pablo with, with Kanye talking about his cousin, you know, stealing his laptop and, you know, blackmailing him for $10,000. That doesn't happen to Kanye if Kanye's just that, that small-time producer in Chicago. That happens because Kanye is Kanye West, and Kendrick Lamar is, is getting some of that also because he's becoming a bigger star. Well, it, it was like $250,000, I believe. Oh, yeah, sure I mean, that. it's a lot of money. And, you know, obviously you can get a lot of money for a Kanye West laptop, but it's it's different. It, it'd be one thing if a stranger did that. You can under, you can almost understand that because it's like if I found Kanye's laptop, I'm a huge Kanye West fan. I mean, I'm not gonna you know ask for a quarter million dollars, but I would ask for at least like, hey, can I get some Yeezy Boost or something? Like, I'll give it to you, but I would you know, can I get a picture? Can you follow me on Twitter? Something, but I would still give it to him. But to have your cousin to have blood bribe you for your own stuff back, that's gotta feel terrible. And and Kendrick Lamar really put that on a record and you can you're you're in his shoes it's it's something where you're just like do i want to do i want all this do i want the fame the fortune the credibility all this stuff he he really showed on on that record yeah i mean a lot of people would say that that's what they want but in, in reality it's not what it's cracked up to be so y'all both had damn as y'all's number one it it could have been me it could have been damn for me also but i went 444 uh, I am a huge Jay-Z fan. I went to see Jay-Z perform 444 at, in Brooklyn. What's the arena called in Brooklyn? Uh, Barclays Center. Yeah, the Barclays Center. I'm sorry. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit biased because after seeing him perform it live, it just really made you realize that he is, like he says, the guy to MC. So lyrically-wise, Jay-Z is always – not pushing the envelope. He, he's pushing – with 444 to me, Jay-Z is pushing the culture of rap being a – not being a young man's game, which it is, but he's showing people that, you know, going into your 50s, you can still sell out arenas and put out content and lyrics that people actually want to hear and that are beneficial to people. I know he got a lot of flack for the the money phone line, but I mean, it's, it's real talk. A lot of these cats are talking about they got money, you know, showing off their money, but, you know, they can end up like the uh, or 30 for 30 broke. You know, you had all this money at one point, now you're, you know, working at McDonald's, just walking down the streets, working a regular job. So, he definitely tried to drop gems on the, the young rappers, but at the same time, he didn't want to, you know, focus on, you know, putting down the young cast. He had some lines talking about, you know, uh, you know, Pac had a nose ring too. Like, you know, let's not hate on the young boys too much, but, you know, things evolve, things change. So lyrically, I'm going to go with uh, Jay-Z because he definitely, at his age and the amount of work he's put in, he is still producing stuff that people want to hear and that people will go see him perform in person. So. Um, that that's why I want Jay Z. I mean, for for that album, I feel like it was really it was a solid Jay Z album. Like he's he rarely puts out you know bad material. I just think the the rollout and the promotion and everything that surrounded four forty four is what kind of propelled it. You know what I'm saying? Like the the videos that he did, the footnotes where there were like personal conversations with his friends and celebrities really being open and vulnerable uh the the uh the the podcast on rap radar like all these things that he did surrounding the album i thought really propelled like i, I i'm almost more interested i was more interested in the stuff surrounding the album than the actual music if, if that makes any sense 
Mm-hmm. Like the like the podcast. Like the when the podcast came out, I was very excited to hear I was more excited about the podcast than the album. Like I was I, I felt I was able to feel the music more with the videos and the explanation and the the deep dives that he did. And with Jay-Z, I don't think he pushed the culture forward musically with this album, but I do think he pushed it forward when it comes to um, explaining and talking about your art. Because after after all the stuff that he did with 444, I kind of want every rapper to do that. Like, I don't care what album you did, but I want you to put out a video for every song. I want you to talk about the feelings that come from listening to that song. I want you to talk, to go on a podcast and just have an open conversation about the process of making it, the, how you felt making it, how you feel afterwards, your, just everything. I want, I want more from, from my artist. And I feel like Jay-Z really put himself out there with all these uh, extra curricular things that he did. Um, I think for me, what put Jay-Z's album number two for me, like, you know, me putting Kendrick over him, it was that with me being a big Jay-Z fan, like, I I think I was maybe like, I don't even know how old I was. I just remember like hearing Ain't No Nigga and that was just my shit as a, like, as a little kid. So I followed, you know, Jay-Z's career. So listening to deep album cuts, like, this can't be life or um, I'm trying to think like never change, you know, from the blueprint album. He's always in a sense gave us this material. I just think four, four, four was just like, I guess more, more for more so for the common listener, not the analytical deep, you know, like hip hop hit, because if you listen to those albums where like even the, even blueprint three album, you know, which a lot of people hate, or even Kingdom Come, like he was telling you 30 is a new 20. Like he was telling you, like, I'm growing up. Like, these are the things that you need to do. Like, don't buy rims, like keep the factories on, you know, go invest in stock. So he's been saying these things forever. Oh, you know? Jerseys, wear button up, stuff like that. Right. Like he's been promoting this forever. But I think now he targeted more to the casual fan. So now the casual fan hears it and it's like, oh, shit, Jay-Z's growing up like Personally, the actual track itself, 444, I never thought that I would see JB that vulnerable. I thought the most vulnerable we would probably get, like, as a single would have been Song Cry. So I will say I was shocked about that. But as far as, like, talking about money, how we need to invest, you know, all I, these I, things, we've been, we've been getting this. If you, if you listen to Jay-Z, we've been getting this. But it's, I won't say it's been hidden, but it's like you have to listen to it. You have to decipher what he's saying because – you, I'm, I'm, I listen to 444 now and certain things make sense, but I'm going to live my life. I'm going to run into to different things. And I listen to that album, you know, six months from now, some of those songs are going to have different meanings. So it's like with Jay-Z's music, you have to evolve. It, it, it kind of evolves with the times, um, you know. 444 is, is for sure a timeless album. Like I feel like, you know, 10 years from now, I can play it for my kids and it'll mean something more for me and, you know, something different for them at their age. But I also with 444, I just feel like the presentation that they gave that they had with it really propelled it because the content that he's talking about clearly as Tribbles was saying is stuff that he's been talking about for years. And if we're going to keep it a buck, Nas kind of did it first on life is good. When he talked about all the personal stuff he was going through, he talked about having kids. He talked about cheating and, and getting a divorce. He talked about being washed up and, you know, 
you know, trying to hang out with, you know, 20 year old girls and he just can't hang with them anymore. So, you know, let's, let's not, let's not put Jay-Z too high up on there for this 444 thing. Like this ain't nothing. Well, obviously he didn't learn from that because he allegedly just broke up with uh, Nicki Minaj. So shout out to him. So we're going to press forward. So with uh, y'all's top two albums, uh, Tribbles, we're going to go with uh, production and number of skippable tracks for you. So start out with the production. We're talking about uh, as far as the out, like the number one and number two album or just in general? Just number one. Uh, number one production, crazy in my opinion. A lot of a lot of samples. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of samples. Um, a lot of people are not, but enjoy the samples. Probably my favorite track on the album, production wise. It probably it probably will be DNA with Mike Will made it. I, I guess just like you, like of course they 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 use a sample from I think it was like Fox News or something yep. or whatever. But like to be in the car when that drops and like when the beat comes in like i'm in my car it's like you gotta go bar for bar and then you know like and i guess like it just set pockets up for kendrick's to give you quotables like thinking if you think about the beat we want to think about the instrumental and then right when kendrick is like my left stroke just went viral like the way that they just opened that pocket for him to just say something like i yell that shit i I yell that shit every time i'm just like my left stroke just went fire every time and then once you finish right and then once you finish screaming it it's like here's the bass come right back in and so like now you're into it so i think like overall it's a very very like that this was another reason why it was like number one because i definitely wrote down lyrics and production is why it made number one um on on my list but DNA is definitely probably my favorite track on this album. Well, I won't say lyrically, but like production-wise, favorite track on the album. All right. So how many how many skippables you got for damn? Skippables for damn. I'm gonna go one, one. Um, the the triple X song with U two. I I tend to skip that track all the time unless I'm like not paying attention and it comes on. Um, but other than that, I don't see any, everything. I'm looking at the list right now. Every other song I'm like singing word for word when I, when I press play on this album. So I'm just going to go with one skippable on this, on, um, damn. All right, Marcus, production, skippable tracks, go. Uh, for production, uh, I, I'm, it's nice to hear Kendrick on a more, uh, I guess contemporary hip hop beats with like, you know, Mike Will made it. I, I liked how like how the how the drums were on especially uh element that was my favorite song production wise it's just it's just cool to have a really dope lyricist get on a fire like a a fire ass track and just just rip it up and i felt like he did that on on this album like the it was it was easier to listen to you know what i'm saying It, it was more of what you want out of a rapper compared to like to pimp a butterfly and untitled and mastered how those beats were there. It was more, you know, the jazzy old school type of feel, which was, which was fine. But for me, I want a little bit more of the, you know, that, that club shit that, you know, strip club song stuff. And uh, Kendrick definitely was, he, I'm glad that he is not, I don't know why I keep bringing him up, but I'm glad he's not turning into like a Nas where it's just like, he just he does not have an ear for uh, for hot beats and clearly damn showed us that Kendrick can can pick can pick you know commercial ass songs and beats and sounds and still you know put out some fire. I mean, being that he is uh, affiliated with Dr. Dre, I don't think they're going to allow him to make 
trash production decisions. Nah, nah, I don't get. I'm not giving him that because Eminem puts out some. He's got some trash beats on his. Well, that's because he's working with the alt right Rick Rubin. So that that's a, <laughs> that's a different uh, discussion for a different day. So sticking on damn with me production wise, again this this album for me kind of solidified that my whole uh, Michael made it is better than Metro Boomin. Because Metro Woman can't do what Michael made made exactly. it did on this on this album. Like I don't care what y'all are saying. I don't care about these trap beats, all this bullshit. Like I'm not trying to hear that. Michael made it is truly diverse and talented. Uh, you see what he does with uh, Ray Shremmer, who aren't the greatest artists, but like they're two CDs bang. So for me, production. Uh, my favorite track production wise is gonna be God. I, I don't know why. I just like the vibe that it gives. It like, just comes on. It's like, you know, it's just one of those things. I feel like that would be my theme music. If I could just have theme music, just play whenever I'm doing stuff. Like, I feel like that encompasses my my mindset. Like, it's just, mm, it's awesome. So that would be my favorite song production-wise. Overall production-wise, it's pretty great. It, it was impressive to me that as a West Coast rapper, he can put out albums that don't sound super West Coast. You know what I'm saying? Like, with the game, he's always going to have a couple of, super 1980s, early 70s, straight up West Coast gangster tracks, but Kendrick Lamar can not do that, still be great and still be considered a West Coast rapper, you know what I'm saying? So I appreciate that from him. But yeah, that's that's gonna be my favorite track would be God. It'd be it's it's a number one or two between God and Duckworth, but you know, I'll probably go with God just to be different. Skippable <laughs> tracks, um it's tough, but I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna go with Tribbles with uh, Triple X Joint. Even though I like that song, it's just yeah, I'm good. I'm good on that one. So I, for my skippable track on Damn, it's gonna be Yeah, just because just because of the placement of it. You go from DNA to Yeah, and it's just like okay, it's kind of it just kind of ruined the vibe for me a little bit. I mean, it's not it's not a bad song, but if I had to skip a song, it's gonna be Yeah, and you know, putting having that having Having yeah stuck between DNA and Element, that's a that's a tough place to be at because those are two hard ass songs. True, that's that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's a good song. It's just, it's in a bad spot, man. It's in a bad spot. So we we got through y'all's the most y'all's for y'all's uh, albums. You both had damn. So I'm gonna quickly go through 444. Uh, production wise, um, no, well, no, nah, we'll, we'll say that for later. We'll, once we get that one. Uh, so y'all's number two. Let's see. Tribbles, you had 444. Yeah. And Marcus, you had no dope, dope on Sunday. So I'm going to start with Tribbles, some link yours with my number one, which is 444. So 444, lyrics and production. Lyrically, lyrically, I think it's a solid album. I mean, that's Jay-Z, to me, is a lyrical genius. He could say one line and it means four different things. Again, it goes back to that theme. It's whenever you pick that album up and listen to it again. Production, no ID went the fuck off. Like, I, like... I've always loved No ID, like especially when he teams up with Kanye, but to hear like the heat that he gave Jay-Z on this album, like it shocked me. Like, like just, I mean, even just starting off with Kill Jay-Z. And I think one thing that I liked about this album um, that's a lot different from the other ones on my list, they let you, they, I mean, Jay allowed you to get into the beats, but it was really solely about his lyrics. Like Kill Jay-Z, it was like a three drum count in and then he's already rapping. You know what I'm saying? So it's like either you're gonna start catching the lyrics or you're gonna catch the beat. However you listen to music, you know, you know which one you caught. Yeah, production wise, heat. I I, I literally wrote heat on my paper. Like, this is probably mm, should I say I'm gonna say this is probably the best produced album on my list. Honestly. Um That would be correct. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go number number and number two on, on my list wouldn't even be Kendrick with production wise, but um, definitely number. I think this is the number one best produced album on my top five right here. Yeah, it's gonna be a toss up between that. For me, it's gonna be toss between that Rick Ross and then Vic Mensa. But you know, I know ID did a lot of Vic Mensa's album also. So with the lyrics, of course, I already said Jay Z is still putting out content that people want to hear in 2017. To put it in perspective, I know uh, Scarface recently put out an album. It was it was cool, but nobody's really checking for a Scarface project like that. Nobody's not really into you know rap music, hip hop that deep. But again, it didn't have the same you know uh, advertising machine and the rollout that Jay had. But even without that, honestly, I still would have been checking for the album. I would have listened to it. I mean, I'm I'm not like one of the young cats that are all up on the the Migos and stuff. So again, some people weren't checking for it, but me, I'm production wise, I went through the track listing. And I'm counting the bonus tracks, just a full disclosure, I'm counting the bonus tracks for Jay-Z's album. So throughout 13 tracks, the only one that I really didn't like was uh, Caught Their Eyes. That was the only track production-wise I, I didn't care for. So, but that, that was like the two-step anthem. Like when that comes on, when that when those drums kick in, and then you hear Frank on the hook, I'm like two-stepping. That's, I feel... That's, that's a dope uh, you know beat. What? That's a dope beat. I think that, and I think that he should have had. I feel that Anderson Pack would have sounded better on that hook than Frank Ocean because it kind of sounds like Anderson Pack to me when I listen to it. So I feel like that's a vibe he would have had. So, but that for me, yeah, production wise, it, it's no ID definitely had a coming out party for a lot of people that are hip to him, and he easily, easily was the best producer of 2017. No questions asked. So. And to tie in real quick with the uh, production, the one track that I don't like is well, is my one skippable track. I, I do not really care for a cut their eyes. The rest of it, I let that shit ride through, with the exception of Legacy. I feel that he could have he could have swapped out Legacy for one of the one of the three bonus tracks or one of two. He could have swapped out Legacy for Mini Face God. That's what I think he should have. He, he had to have Legacy on there. He had to end the album yeah, with that one. Like he had to. He legacy was to, legacy was to. perfectly placed though. I think I think that's what I liked about 444 too. It's just yeah. it's like nah, every, it's not everything everything like if you like content wise, like if you hear what he's talking about, like it's perfectly placed. And I think those bonus tracks, because at first I was just like, what the album is what what ten, ten, ten songs. Ten tracks, you know, like in an average album right now, it's starting off at like 14. So I was kind of confused at first when it was like the album came out and then a few weeks later. We got the bonus tracks and because I, I knew like Atnus was coming because we, you know, that was one of the promos he did. And I was just like, yeah, why the hell is this not on the album? But like if you try like because I tried it, if you try to take the bonus tracks and fill them in on the, you know, the uh, quote unquote official track list, none of those songs will fit. Fit. I mean, content wise, crazy content wise, okay. content wise, right. content no, for, for, oh. for sure. If if 444 happened to be Jay-Z's last album. And the last song on his last album was Legacy. It would have made total sense. I don't know how you can take Legacy off of the album. Like exactly, to, I mean, it would have made about, sense. But I didn't. I didn't. He's talking hear about his legacy. He's talking about the future. He's talking about his kids. Like what he's gonna do moving on from rap. That's what. That's what. That's why I was kind of like, yo, maybe he is done. Maybe he's like, maybe this is it for him because he really put himself out there. And I mean, if he wants to come back, yeah, sure, but. At this point in his career and his life, like he's done everything in, in in the rap game. He's what else is he doesn't have anything to prove. And I feel like Legacy was that song. Legacy is like 
is what the black album should have been in one song. Just like, hey, this is this is all I got for you. This is it, and I'm I'm out. And that'd have been a perfect ending. Like I feel like nobody would have complained about that. Okay, well keep legacy, but don't win many face got before that. Like you can't go from Marcy Me to Legacy, man. That's just to me that was a huge drop that, off letdown. Marcy Me, like Mar- like Marcy Me is him reflecting on his past. Legacy is him talking about his future and his and his family's future. I feel like those two, like they go hand in hand. I'm not talking about content. I'm talking about just the song, how it makes me feel oh. when I listen to it. I'm like oh. that. That is a that is a lot of people would say if you had to describe rap and how rap should make you feel or what rap music is, they feel that they could tell somebody marching me and play that and they would understand what you were talking about. I feel like that's that type of song. I was going to, I wanted more of that, man. Everything about that song is great. It performed terrible live though, I'm not gonna lie. Like, that's not that's not a live song. So I think yeah. I think for like that album live, you I think you have to mm. be in the in the right in the right setting. And Jay did because I went to the concert too. And Jay did a good job with trying to give us like the hits because this album is particularly slow. Like we have yeah. a couple of up tempo tracks, but for the ain't most no bang- part, ain't no bangers on this album. A, ba- I mean, ah, bam, bam, bam. There's one. Okay, there's one. Bam, four, bam, and a four forty four kind of rings. Four forty four ain't no banger. Four forty four is not a banger. Ain't no banger. You ain't gonna turn that on in the club and get. Hot I turn that shit out of my car. Shoot. Nah, like being there singing and yelling and shit. You crazy? Bam, bam and maybe hard. and maybe kill Jay Z is like a quote unquote banger. But like, I mean, nope. con- content wise, no. But like, if we going like beat beat placement and things like yeah but i think he did a really good job at that concert because it was just like he gave us the hits but because his album is particularly slow he like snuck them in there you know and try to find different ways to do it but yeah, yeah. this should have definitely been like an mtv unplugged album exactly I, I feel like yeah, i feel like yeah. that's 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 when it comes to the promotion i feel like that's where he dropped the ball like if he would have did an intimate small venue and just performed but no but yeah, no. yeah, a small, just a small, intimate venue with like a couple. I don't know. I, I don't. I can't remember how many people were at the live MTV Unplugged that he did. But something like that, where he does a song, he talks about it. He he gives you more of himself. You know, you get a live band with you. That but I feel did, like that though. would have been a. He did like okay, yeah, but four forty four. But it, but it's no, hard. Yeah, to, he did. He did. He had a band, but it's not. It's not the same when you're in he was the Barclays. No, yeah, he no. was doing arenas and stadiums. I'm no. talking about just a small little chills, low key spot, and then but, like videotape it, put it out on title, or sell the DVD. I feel like nah. that would have been the move for that. But album. see, no, because like I literally, I've been going to Jay Z shows since 2009. This is the closest I've ever been to Jay Z because he set that stage in the middle. Like I think. Me, I, I think me being a fan and like seeing the progression with him, like Jay Z would never walk through a crowd. I've never seen a concert where Jay Z walks through the crowd. At the end of that show, he walks through the crowd. He's dapping people up, like he's, be, you know, like he has that. This is a, this is my most personal album. So let me give you, you know, me. Like the fact that that stage was a circle, and if you was at that concert, he literally performed around that circle the whole night. He didn't just stand in the middle of the of the um, and, of the stage. And the I feel like. Because it was a personal album, that's why it should be in a small venue. Because it makes the performance more personal. Because you get you're right but, up on him. Like but if you're, you're like talking to one of the, the biggest, bleeds, but you're talking to one of the biggest rap artists in like in the game, arguably the greatest of all time. You know? Yeah, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So you can't. So, so you can't say, oh yeah, let's put Jay Z. You know. I don't know in a in a little lounge or whatever. No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm talking about say, for publicity, like just to have that he, one he thing. He could have did tape. both. He could have did both because oh, yeah, let's yeah. not act like this isn't about money because this this yeah. tour definitely brought in major major coin. But 
he could have done this and then like maybe maybe after the tour or maybe I don't know somewhere he should have did a couple of intimate shows. I I agree with that. So yeah, yeah. I'm, have you seen the uh, the 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 Netflix specials Dave Chappelle's done? Yeah. Like the the first two he did, he did them in like big stadiums, big arenas, and then the third one he did, he's like in a small comedy club. And he's like really up close to people. And it's like a real small, intimate venue. And I feel like Jay-Z should have did something like that. Get like recorded that, put that on film, put that out, and then go on your, you know, normal, you know, arena stadium tour. Like I'm not saying he shouldn't have done it like that, but I think an album like 444 is such a personal album. It's not a big, you know, it's not stadium status type music. It's a very personal, like sit down. And, and dive in and really get into the album kind of music. And I feel like that would play better in a smaller venue. I think, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think it, you got best of, the best of both worlds. Like, you know, it was... Shout out to R. Kelly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> but you really get the best of both worlds, you know, with this concert, because like I said, if you've been following Jay concert-wise, this is the most intimate setting that you've ever seen a minute and i wasn't even on the floor of this concert you know what i'm saying so like just i mean just seeing his growth i think i was more taken back by his growth as an artist like performing this album than i was the actual like set list you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah i get i, I mean i get i get what marcus is saying but i think he i think he did the best what he could do i mean he's the biggest you know one of the biggest rappers in the world he has a ton of fans he has broke fans he has rich fans you know, like he went to smaller cities. He he w- came to Charlotte, which was this was his first time in Charlotte since '98, I think, which was the uh, the tour he did with DMX and all those the the backstage tour, or whatever. So you know, him hitting up cities like Charlotte, which is a big is a big market. They don't get you know they don't really get the biggest concerts out here. So just like shit like that, where I'm like, he did kind of go personal, not as personal as you know you guys are saying, but I'm like, if you look at look at it from a, a a general scope he did a lot of things different this album this rollout so yeah all right so we're gonna move on to the next one we all had on our list we're gonna go uh, rather than you than me i'll start out with that one so lyric wise rick ross is some folks i'd say underrate him as a lyricist he definitely has a strong pen game uh he's lyrical enough but he can still give you the trap songs that he's sprinkling into rather you than me and I'll go with production. Also, the production is excellent. Uh, another cat that, you know, put, put himself on the map, per se, for a lot of people that aren't too deep into uh, into production hip-hop is uh, Bink. And I wasn't really too hip to Bink. I learned a lot about the history of him. I think I'll rat radar if I'm not mistaken. But there's a couple of tracks that I heard. I'm like, damn, is that just Blaze? And I'm like, nah, that was Bink. And then I hold the whole the whole backstory of allegedly just Blaze biting his style and whatnot. But yeah, Bink definitely put his ass in some of these tracks. But with me, this one easily could have been my top album production wise. But I had to give the nod to No Idea because he produced the entire album. So I'll go with those two for me for lyrics and productions. What do y'all got? So I had the same album coming in at number three. Um, I, I agree. Lyric like lyric wise, I don't think people respects uh ross's pen as much um i think he did deliver lyrically but production wise i think rick ross as an artist has one of the best ears for for like sound like sonically all of his all of his albums regardless of how they how they sold or what albums he pushed out first i mean um, excuse me what singles he pushed out first 
sonically, the albums, all, all of his albums sound dope. I don't know, you know, if he sits in a room with light slow, some candles lit, and he's just like, yeah, this one, this one, and then gets to write more. If people are actually bringing these beats to him, you know, like physically sitting down, making these beats around, you know, the, the sound that he has. But I think artist-wise, artist-wise, with production, Rick Ross is probably one of the best people um, to put together an album, sonically. Yeah, I would put him in my top five, like, rappers that picks out dope beats. Like, he's, I don't think I've ever heard him rap on a, on a trash beat. Even when he gets on a, on a Nas album, I feel like he picked that beat and was like, hey, Nas, we can do this for your album because I know your beats suck. Uh, lyrically, <laughs> lyrically, I think he is underrated because of where he comes from. And also from how he started when he first came out, like, we all remember the, uh, you know, she 22, we in room 222, that whole style of rap that he was doing. Hey, he man, he, and he pushed the culture. He, he, did, made he, every, did. he made everybody who wasn't uh, fortunate enough to afford a BMW want a 745. Like, that was, yeah. that was that was the car everybody wanted to have that nobody could afford. But you, you hear him on, like, where he came from, where he starts out rapping that way, and then you hear him on, like, what you call it, uh, Rather You Than Me, you hear him on some of these other, on these songs now, and you can clearly see the growth in him as a lyricist. Like he's always had the ear, but you hear him on songs like "Apple of My Eye," you know, "Santorini Grease," and then but but she's but he still has you know the whole the, the trap sound, obviously. But he's clearly grown as a lyricist, and he might have one of the ah, like I don't want to say he has a, the best art, but coming from where he came from to where he is now, I don't think, I, I didn't see that coming. Like when he first came out, I was like, yeah, this dude will be around for like two years. And he's been around for almost, almost 15, 20 years, putting out quality work, you know, signing quality artists. He's, he's wrapping his way in the people's top 15, top 10 all time. He's, he's just, he keeps pumping out classic material and I, I'm, Curious to see how how far he can take this because he's he's only getting better. Yeah, Rick Ross, I, I do like how he has evolved, but still, again, he drops in the trap music and represent you know Miami and things like that. Uh, skippable tracks, Tribbles. What is your what are your skippable tracks on this album? Um, let's see. Let me pull it. Let me pull the track list up. Um. Okay, so. Funny story, I do skip uh, Idols Become Rivals. Like, I think it was a good toy to, like, get promotion for the album, you know, with it being a diss track and the things that he was saying in the song. Like, you know, we found out about the situation between Birdman and Khaled, things like that. Like, I think lyrically it was a good song to kind of open our eyes to some of the things that most people, like, if you pay attention to music, you knew Birdman was doing half of these things. But, you know, for the casual fan to expose kind of those things, that was a, I mean, it was a cool track for that, but as far as listening listening to the album, especially coming after Santorini Grease, which is like one of my favorite songs on the album, it could get skipped. I'm not really too crazy about Summer, Summer 17 either. Which is oh, no. You crazy. Oh, no. That man closed out that album was heat, boy. I, that should get me so crunk when I hear that ball. So like, I, man, God I'm, damn. I'm I missed not, my 15s when that come on, man. I'm not crazy about it. Like, that's not to say I skip it every time I listen to this album. But if I'm like, because I realized on the last one, I only gave one song to skip because it was only one to skip. But I'm trying to get skippables. So maybe. 
Bro, I'd, I'd go to that song first now to cut that off. <laughs> okay, let me let me let me go back. Let's leave summer. Let's leave summer seventeen. I'll run through the track list. You got Apple My Eye, Santorini Grease. Gotta keep those I, two. Idols Become Rivals, Trap, 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 Dead Presidents, She's on My Dick. Okay, I'll take that back. I got my two. So we're gonna go Idols Become Rivals and She's on My Dick. I thought oh, like no. no, she listen, as, she As a Falcons fan, I have to I have to skip that track. For Listen, a, a, a multiple reasons. That too, and then I just like this. I mean, this was also the you know the reemergence of Gucci Man. So Gucci Man was just on everybody's track, and you know, quality Goat. over quantity. You know what I'm saying? Goat. Like he, I won't say that he gave Ross a throwaway, but it just wasn't one of my favorite Gucci Man verses. So I, you know, please forgive me, whoever listens to this. I'm gonna keep Summer 17, but I'm gonna get rid of uh, She's on My Dick and Idols Become Rival. All right, so I I got the same. No, not the same. I got she's on my dick just because Gucci Man made a Patriots reference as a Atlanta native and allegedly as a Falcons fan. I found that unacceptable and egregious. That nigga so, from Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, but yeah, <laughs> he he reps the A kind of hard. So I love that song. Nah, I that's like my, that's my shit right there. And then the other one I skip is uh, that's I think that's it. Maybe Dead Presidents too. I guess uh, you went three straight kind of trap songs back to back to back. We could have, I could have went without that. Yeah, if he but, if, if he'd have left one of those off, I'd have been fine with that. But like, I, I I can agree with that. The whole like, okay, like we get it. Like, just maybe move on. But Jeezy Jeezy gave a fire verse on uh, fucking dead president, so it's it's gonna stay on my list. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I had to skip one, it would be uh, Lamborghini Doors, and it's not because of Rick Ross; it's because of Meek Mill. What? Like, like when it first, like when the album, when the song first starts, you can kind of hear Meek Mill in the background rapping. If it had stayed, if it had stayed like that, the, if it would have stayed like that the whole time, I'd have been fine with it. But I'm just tired of that nigga yelling at me. Just, just stop, man. Stop screaming. Okay. Calm down. Turn the volume down, man. Relax. I get it. Just chill. Thank you. Well, all right. So I think we, I think we got got through the uh, Rick Ross joint. So this is where things get a little bit different for everybody's list. So y'all two both have both y'all have Rapsy. I left Rapsy off. The reason being, Rapsy's CD is excellent. It is an excellent production-wise, A1, everything is good. But for me personally, when I was listening to it, it could have been it could have been two or three tracks shorter. And this is my thing. I even posted this in the, the group, the Connoisseur's Corner, I mean, that we discuss rap and hip hop and whatnot. I posted that I'm at the point now and I find myself doing this. Before I click on an album, I look at A, how many tracks is it, and then how long it is. So for Raps, you see Layla's Wisdom, it was 14 tracks and 104 minutes. It was an hour and four minutes, which isn't crazy long, but I feel like, I don't know, I think Jay Z messed up my head where I want stuff that's nice and tight and concise, like get to the point, get in and get out. 14 tracks, I'm like, all right. All right, we got another one, huh? All right, cool. Bet. All right, cool. Well, we got two more of these? All right, man. All right, cool. I feel the album could have been two or three tracks shorter, in my opinion, but that's not taking any away from the production of the lyrics. It's just for me, it was just, it was a bit long winded for me. So that's just for me. I'm totally fine with the uh, the amount of tracks that she gave me. I'd rather have a lot of tracks from a, a rapper that can actually rap than, you know, a bunch of 
songs from subpar rappers. Yeah, and like, I, I felt like the production on her album was is really good, also. So I can't. I, yeah. I, it's hard for me to complain about getting too much good music, but I I do I I also do the same thing. Like I'll I'll check out an album and I'll see how long it is. And if it's like an hour twenty, I'm probably not gonna listen to it unless it's someone I really want to hear. But just on a random, it's like, nah, man, I'm not. I can't give you an hour and twenty, bro. Um, I'm kind of the same. So anything over seventeen tracks, I'll get. You know, I'll just I'll I'll like knock it down. I'll say I'll get to it later. Um, unless like you said, it's an artist that I'm really like into. Um, but with this album, like production was crazy. Shout out to Knife Wonder, North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? NC Stand Up. The God. Um, but yeah, Knife Wonder did his thing on this album. Not unless, and I think too, another reason why this album is like really kind of like it sold me. She fucking watched K Dot on, on her own shit. Like, I mean, and K Dot went hard on that song on Power, which is like the second track if you haven't heard the album. I don't know. I just gained so much more respect for her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew, like, I knew of who she was. Like, I knew she was, you know, getting in with shit with Rock Nation and all that. So, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm a big Jay Z fan. So I'm like, oh, Who's fucking with Rock Nation? Let me listen. But to actually sit down and listen to her album, like she's demanding respect, but she fucking earns it if you listen to all 14 of those tracks. Just to be messy real quick, uh, just because you're the only woman in on the podcast today. Woo-woo. Why why doesn't she get the same push as some other f- female artists out here? Like, I don't get it. Like, she can actually rap. She's got great production. She's not out here. <sighs> shaking her ass and all that stuff, but I feel like she doesn't get the same respect and the same push. I might be wrong. I don't have my post I mean, on all of the women in the world, but I, it seems like some other rapper rappers out here are getting a different kind of push and different kind of love and more respect and champion for more than the actual good rapper, great rapper. Like I mean, some people even can call her, which they, she doesn't like, they've called her the, the female version of Kendrick Lamar. So how isn't she being championed and pushed up to the front of the line with uh, carrying the torch for women rappers? I don't get that. Um, I just think that's honestly the culture right now. Um, it's in return. I mean, in regards to both sides, whether it's female or male, that the the more lyricists, um, they're not really getting that respect. I mean, if we look at damn, had had Kendrick not made commercial like commercial appeal type tracks, like would this album be as hot? Like if we didn't yes. have if no, I mean not saying well, I won't say what it, it would still be hot, but would people be ranking it as their number one on these major publications? You know, if you didn't have uh DNA on your, you know, as the official NBA um song for what was it, the finals last year? Um, what other songs you have the the loyalty with Rihanna, like you have those songs that are catering to the masses. And I think with Rhapsody per se, she doesn't really have those, I'm gonna put it on the radio songs. You know, they're great songs. They're put together. Sonically, they sound great, but it's like, it's nothing that's catchy. It's nothing that I can go into. Um, you know, shout out to Cardi B. Love Cardi B, but every, if you, if I say fuck them, then I, I get some I money. Any names for full disclosure? I just said a female rapper. No, no, I mean, I'm going to go. I mean, I'll go out and say it, but if I say fuck them, then I get some money. Like, you're going to be turned up because you know what I'm talking about. You know, but I, I just think. Integrity wise, I, I like the way Rhapsody stands. She's not dumbing down her lyrics for a check. She's her, her core fans, um, the casual fans that heard Layla's wisdom that could go back to her old work. They respect it. They love it. She's going to continue to feed them. I think compared to a lot of other female rappers, you know, they come out and they're lyrical. Perfect example. Um, 
love Dreezy. Dreezy's out of Chicago. When I first started listening to Dreezy, Dreezy was a drill-like rapper. You know, drill kind of died down, but picking up her um, debut album, which was No Hard Feelings, great album. Fucking loved it from top to bottom. But I get it. And she's like doing all this singing. She got she has a duet with T-Pain. And it's like, did she really have to dumb herself down to, to get a hit? So for me, I'd rather Rhapsody keep it. You know, I, I understand some artists. They want to be known. They want to be well-known. They want to be number one. They want to have the crown. They want to be the queen. But I'm all for the artist saying, you know what? This is what got me here. This is what has, you know, I don't know how many Twitter followers she got, but these followers, you know, they fuck with me. Like, let me continue to feed them. In due time, people will come back and they'll listen. They'll understand it. People didn't, people didn't respect reasonable doubt, but they came back. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, eventually I feel like real rap, especially uh, female lyricists, they will get that respect deserved. And I'm champion 2018 is the year of the female rapper. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll definitely see that. We'll definitely see that coming up. All right. So with the uh, skippable tracks for both of y'all, skippable, what's your skippables and what's your favorite tracks? Uh, you can go ahead first, Marcus. Let me get my list together. I was kind oh, of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, the skippable track, I haven't written down. The list goes Layla's Wisdom, Power, Chrome. The song, the song with Busta Rhymes on it. What song was that? I, I didn't have the, oh, you the name of it. Yeah, cause it, it, it's it, and again, it doesn't have anything to do with Rhapsody's verses. It's Busta Rhymes' verses because Rhapsody was like giving you that hard shit, and then Busta Rhymes comes in with some Romeo and Juliet stuff. Right. And I'm just like, yo, this don't really fit. And then I kept listening to it, and I'm like, all right, if I pretend that this is the transition to the next song, because the next song is is the roller coaster love song, then I can kind of be like, okay, I guess that makes sense, but I just. It didn't fit on the song. Like, Bus's verse should have just been its own separate song and not connected to the song that Rhapsody was That's rapping a on. Six minute song. God dang. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like Busta Rhymes just didn't do it for me. Uh, his verse didn't do it for me. That's I, probably I, one of the. That's probably one of the reasons right there. I'm like, okay, this album could have been a few tracks shorter. Because again, I until you said that, I, I didn't even remember he was on the album. And I look at the track at six minutes. I'm like, yeah, I probably was like, all right, guys, let's uh. Yeah. Let's move this along, please. I mean, the, one of the things that I like about the uh, this album is the, and it's the same with the Sci High's album, is the transitions that the songs make, because you'll be in the song like a minute or two, and then it switches, like the beat will change, or it'll, they'll remix a little bit, and I, I like when artists change up the song, because there was a couple of times where I looked at my phone, I'm like, is this the same song still? Because it sounds totally different, and I can appreciate that. My only complaint about this album is there was not enough Anderson Pack on here. Oh yes, you cannot, you cannot, yes. you cannot, yes. <laughs> you cannot go from Anderson Pack to BJ the Chicago Kid. And I have no beef with BJ the Chicago Kid. I I listened to his album. I thought it was fine, but you the because Anderson Pack was on Nobody, and the next song is Black and Ugly, and I and I hear it, and I'm like, I hear BJ the Chicago Kid. But I also am like, Anderson Pack would have killed that. He could have did that better. And that's my, like, there's, I think there's two songs with BJ and two songs with Anderson. If all four of those songs were Anderson Pack, I'd have been, this song might have been number one for me. But you, you can't go from Anderson Pack to BJ the Chicago Kid. You can't do that, man. It just, and that's law. That's law. He's, he's, <laughs> and, and, and maybe I'm just an Anderson Pack stan or whatever, but he's like a live wire when he gets on a record. Like whenever he's on an album, I'm like, I need to hear more of that guy. 
I need more of that. And you go from him to BJ, the Chicago kid, and BJ's like, eh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he was definitely the, the highlight for me on the, the Compton album, the Compton soundtrack. And he was on like four songs. He was all over yeah. that place, all over that album. Yeah, I was like, yep, this guy is uh, pretty nice. So um, we went skippable tracks. All right, cool. So for y'all too, that that was it. Didn't make my list again. It was a great album, just for me personally. I thought it could have been a little shorter, but I'm a, I'm gonna run it back again. I'm gonna give it another couple listens and see how I feel again. The last one, oh damn! After that, you get, was, you get crazy. A triple triples skippable tracks. Oh yeah, um, you actually my bad. Go ahead. I'll probably go with the same one. I'm not too crazy about you should know. Um, I will say though, my favorite track on the album, because you asked what was my my favorite. My favorite is definitely nobody. Like Anderson Pack made that fucking song. Like, don't get me wrong, everybody else did their shit too, but that's like that's the track. Like when I say listen to Layla's Wisdom, I'm either telling them nobody or when she watched Kendrick Lamar on Power. Yeah, Anderson Pack made like Black Thought and Afterthought. Like that's how good Anderson Pack is. Like he's he's so dope and he's so cool. Uh, my favorite song on this is between Uwee and Power. Like, those two are my favorite songs. Mm. Okay. All right. So, the end of our list is this is where it gets uh, a bit different for everybody because my last two albums were Vic Mensa and Sahai the Prince. Tribbles had Crit and Rhapsody. Marcus had. The Migos <laughs> and Rhapsody. You're going to do that by yourself. So we'll go. Uh, let's see. Well, since, since I'm solo with Vic Mensa, I'll knock mine out real quick. So, lyrics a lot of the people in the one group of men said that lyrically, Vic Mensa is kind of, he's not super lyrical, miracle type rapping. But the thing that I'll give him credit for is that he tells excellent stories. Not as great as Kendrick Lamar, but I think he can get there one day. Uh, and also with him, he's like a Swiss Army knife. The dude, he makes, he can make tracks for every, every mode. I'm sorry, every mood, any type of environment, whatever you're feeling. Man, he goes from uh, down for some ignorance to coffees and cigarettes. Like that is that is the range that a lot of rappers, not even just rappers, artists in general, don't have. They're not capable of doing that. Maybe Drake, but Drake, he does no. look too much simping for me. No, I really no, appreciate the, the, it. The, the difference between Vic Mensa and Drake when it comes to that is you can hear Vic Mensa rapping on a song with Chief Keef, and you believe him. You believe what he's talking about. When he's talking about getting down from some ignorance, you're like, all right, Vic Mensa's about to go to jail tonight. But when you hear him talk singing on uh, coffee and cigarettes, he doesn't come off as corny. He comes off as emotional and vulnerable, but he's not whining. Like, that's... I don't want this to turn into a Drake bashing podcast, but Drake comes off as a little bit of a whiner, a bit of a simp, and he's just like, all right, man, that girl don't like you. Like, move on. Like, there's no real emotion or depth when it comes to Drake. Vic Mensa gives you that. So with productions, again, no ID, did a lot of production. So anything he's on, between this album and uh, 444, like I said, he's easily producer of the year of 2017. And he definitely, again, he had that range. He, he produced... Uh, like I said, a lot of these songs he did, let's say the intro track, and then he did a coffee and cigarettes, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check that. I'll give you some fake news. Yeah, no idea did coffee and cigarette, but then he still could give you down for some ignorance with Chief Keith and Joey Perk. You know what I'm saying? That's that's production range. That's that's all I like to see in my producer. And there's even going from this album, listening to tracks on 444, it's like, yo, this dude, 
he really was in his bag. And I hope this is a trend that continues in next year with letting one producer do most of your album. The thing is, most of these cats aren't talented enough to give you the range of diversity that is needed to keep somebody, keep their ear glued to the album. Like, okay, wow. Because the one thing that I was, I think I listened to a podcast or watched a video, or I heard somebody say that no ID, he was talking about the production these days. He said everything, like the rappers, everything sounds the same. So he, he wanted to give us like no four bar loops. All this stuff is like, it, it keeps you listening. Like you have to be engaged. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not going to lull you to sleep with the same patterns. It's like, okay, you got this, he drops these drums in, he does this with the sample, he does this with the keys. So it's one thing that I enjoy listening to being a fan of production. So uh, that's what I want to see. Skippable tracks. Uh, skippable tracks, I would go with, uh, I'll probably go with the, little, the last track. Oh my goodness, I'm not, that's cool. Not for me. But everything else, man, I bang with it, man. Homewrecker is an interesting track. Weezer, I mean, a lot of rappers can't really do that, get away with it. It's, it's an excellent album. And again, I might be slightly biased. He opened for Jay-Z at 444. And one thing that uh, with me, with albums, when you see somebody perform it live, it definitely makes you appreciate it more, depending how they do it. One observation I made, I talked about another episode of the podcast, was that when I would see Jesus, I appreciated the album more seeing him perform it live along with some other songs. And with that album, Kendrick Lamar opened up for him. And Kendrick Lamar, well, he's about to die after about three or four songs. And then I saw Ye come out and do like three hours straight. But Vic Mensa opened up for Jay-Z. And he performed like a champion. Like he was, he was with it. Like he, he had a lot of energy. He has a lot of songs that play well with the crowd. And at first it's like people didn't really know what's going on, but he really gained the respect really quickly because he's very talented. So, uh, that's what I'll go with. And I'm just going ahead and knock on my favorite track. My favorite track in the album is going to be The Fire Next Time. Again, No ID put his foot in the beat. And it's, it's definitely an excellent track. The production is great. So if you haven't checked out Big Mensa, because a lot of people still, for some reason, are sleeping on him, definitely go check him out. Yeah, this has been definitely one of the best years for uh, rap releases, I think. Because while I was... You know, compiling my list, I did a top 10 and completely left Vic Mensa off my list. And his was one of my favorite albums to come out. And like it, it, it's, it's cool to have so many great albums to come out in one year. And it's hopefully we have that in 20 in 2018. Hopefully we get, you know, some new Kanye. Uh, Nas said his album was done two years ago. I don't know where that's at. So hopefully that drops. Hopefully, hopefully Ray Schremer drops and Cardi B and Migos drop their second album. Hopefully we get a, a more focused, uh, inspired Drake. He hasn't, he's been real quiet out here. Uh, hopefully we get the uh, good music collab album that's supposed to be dropping. I don't remember what it was called, but hopefully that drops. But just to, to speak on real quick about um, rappers not working with one producer for an entire album mostly. I feel like the internet kind of hurt us in that area because it's so easy to just record your verse from wherever you are and just email it to somebody else and they just copy and paste and put it in there. And I, I wish I could, I wish we knew when they were doing it because I feel like you can hear it because on some, on some songs you, you hear like the first two verses are rapping about one thing and then they put in a guest first and it's something totally different and they're not on topic and it's just like 
the vibe isn't there. And I felt like I got that from, uh, from Drake and Future's album. Like they were on tour together when they made that album and their chemistry was still non-existent. And I feel like they were just on each other's tour buses, emailing songs back and forth. And I just, I, I want music to be a little bit more organic again, where you have to be in the studio with people. You have to be with the, to the, be with the producer while they're making the beat and put your input into it and stuff like that. Um, I think like, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think we won't get to that point until us as fans start demanding it. Um, I think we've, we've, we've progressed or I won't really say progress, but we've moved to a time where, you know, I saw a tweet earlier when somebody was like, yo, the Bruno Mars album came out like a year ago and he's just dropped, you know, his third single of the first third single. And somebody retweeted was like, yo, I come from a time where like, it'd be like two years out and niggas be putting out their fourth video for an album. So I just think like, as fans, we got to start demanding. We want quality. Like I'm all for the turn up music, but that that shouldn't be coming from a like a, a person like Nas. Like Nas said, his shit was done, but maybe that nigga got to win the four 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 and want to go back and do some shit. Like I'm all for <laughs> you know I'm all for artists saying, all right, this is not the right time. Like I, I respect Cardi. Everyone's looking for that Cardi album, but Cardi like, no, I'm gonna let my shit take time. Now that could be Cardi or that could be Atlantic, but to me that's a good sign it's like all right it's not per you know it's not perfect it's not perfect enough for them so shit it's not perfect enough for me but you look at a lot of artists now i'm not going to name any names but they drop every you know uh album well i will mention the name for the sake of it you look at somebody like metro Boomin. every two months we're getting a metro Boomin joint or a compilation album with some other artists and the beats are just not hitting they sound like the same shit from the last tape and the tape before that and the tape before that so it's just like at some point, we gotta we gotta demand that we get quality and not necessarily quantity. That's that's how we came up. It could still be that way. It's sad because there's no real difference between the sound from Metro Boomin and uh, Big Sean and Metro Boomin and Twenty One Savage and Offset and Metro Boomin and Gucci Man. Like all exactly. those beats sound exactly the same. And it's like, exactly. oh, you put out three compilation albums, four hot rappers, and like, yeah, okay, like, and no one's still no one's really checking for it. They're, I mean, they're they're checking for you in name, but when it comes to that sound, like you're not, you, he doesn't stand out, even though he's everywhere. If that makes sense, like he, all his songs are on the radio, all his songs are on the Billboard charts, but you can't really, he he still doesn't stand out. He's drowning himself out. And I think he's I think he's doing that because of the artist that he's looking to go to. Uh, I mean, well, he's he's linking up to work with because you know your Twenty One Savages, your uh, Offset, your Gucci Man. There, I mean, they're all out of the A. Like Atlanta has a distinct sound, although you know they all bring those artists bring different things to the game. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all from the same same area. It's it's the same kind of sound. And you know he tried to venture out with Big Sean, but you know I'll go on a whole another rant for another day about Big Sean. I think him getting that snub on uh what is it dark dark uh paradise whatever dark paradise. paradise that which was a which should have been a grammy nominated album he got the snub i think big sean is trying to find find the sound when that album that sound worked they just didn't respect it so keep going and go harder but i, I to me i think metro metro could be bigger if he just challenged himself like for me i've gained so much more respect for mike will when i heard mike will executive produce a miley cyrus album 
because I fucked with Mike Will, I clicked play on that Miley Cyrus album and found a few songs that I fucked with, you know? So I, I think if Metro wants to have that stamp, and I've said this on Twitter, if Metro wants to have that stamp, he has to go above and beyond what he's doing now, like as far as the artist that he's working with. Yeah, he's on his way to being another Lex Luger. Just have your little time in the sun and then just kind of fade to black. I know he still puts out tracks, but, you know, it's not every other track. It's just Lex Luger, Lex Luger, Lex Luger. It's like, all right, well, somebody else come in and uh, do the same thing you're doing. So I guess I'm going to let Marcus break down this culture because I don't I don't know how the hell the culture slid into anybody's top top, top five rap albums. To be, to be frank, I listened to it. I listened to it two times. Was it for me? Just I can't. Nah, I mean, can't culture culture is popping. If we're gonna talk about who had the most lit singles of the year, I'll give you that. But I'm I'm with you. I don't really see how culture makes someone's top five um, of 2017. So I'm I'm interested to hear this as well. Yes, the the floor is yours. <laughs> I feel like I gotta like defend my 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 choice to an army of detractors. But when it when it comes to culture, I feel like it was the perfect album title for this album because Migos is the culture. Like what they're doing is hip hop culture. You know, a lot of people complain about, you know, the mumble rap and everybody sounds the same and all this other stuff. And they're doing too much lean, popping too much Xanax. There's a lot of all these mumble rappers out here doing that. But at the head of that, the people that are spearheading this movement, movement, the people that are doing it the best are the Migos. And I don't consider them mumble rappers, but they fall under that category for most people because if you listen to it, you can clearly understand what they're saying. And when it comes to trap music, turn up music, you know, strip club music, just wanting to get fucked up music, culture is where it's at. Culture, they put out, it's, it's, a, it's hot track after hot track. They got dope features. Hip-hop music, is a young person's music and it's a rebellious music. It's what rock and roll used to be. Like hip hop is that, you know, rappers are the new rocks, rock stars. And when it comes to living that rock star lifestyle, I feel like the Migos are doing it the best when it comes to, you know, all the tattoos, all the jewelry, you know, frivolously spending their money on jewelry and cars and they're being defiant just in general, but then when you look inside of rap, especially considering in 2017, we had artists like Jay-Z, Rhapsody, Kendrick, uh, Sci-Hi, all these super lyrical artists come out with dope projects. And Migos is just like, yo, we're going to stay on our lane and we're going to do what we do best. And we're going to be defiant even in the most defiant genre of music today. And they're they're the biggest rock stars out here right now. And I feel like, you know, obviously when it comes to lyrical content, obviously they're not going to be up there with Jay-Z and Rhapsody and, and Sci-Hi, Rick Ross, all those big crit. They're not going to be up there. But when it comes to production, when it comes to impact on music, when it comes to the style, when it comes to the swag, when it comes to living that rock star lifestyle that people talk about, nobody does it better than the Migos right now. In 2017, like, culture dropped at the top of 2017, and they kicked open the door, Bad and Bougie dropped, and it was just on from there with them. Like, they owned 2017. A lot of people, like, even myself, I was kind of like, you know what? 2017 is the year of Cardi B, but 
we if we go back and look at what Migos <sighs> did for 2017, dropping culture, bad and bougie, t-shirt, then dropping collab albums and mixtapes and other features, and they're just starting to grow right now where other rappers are starting to reach out to work with them. Other artists are starting to reach out to work with them. Other producers, more well-known producers, are starting to reach out to them. I, I feel like you can't look at 2017 and not mention Migos and the Culture album. Well, I think given, given your reasoning for putting Culture in your top five, in my opinion, that should push push it to number six because a better album than that that talks about the you know the loud you know the loud rap and I got this money I got that money but also bringing in some of that lyrical content you got two, two chains Chan- two chains drop pretty girl loves trap music which was mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was which was a better album superior album and I tried I tried it didn't do it for me honestly it didn't give me the same feeling that culture gave me better album than culture. I will, now what I will give culture and what I will give the Migos I do believe that 2017 was the year of the Migos. I will say that the Migos should also not because and before I say this, you know, I know people are going to listen. I was rocking with the Migos way when Offset was locked up and it was just Takeoff and Quavo holding it down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have a love for the Migos. But let's not act like had Childish Gambino put them white people on Bad and Bougie, would this be the year of the Migos? No, no, I, T, no, 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 no. The Migos, I'm, I'm gonna, the Migos hang on, know, hang on. I'm going to push back on that because at the time that Donald Glover said that, uh, Bad and Bougie was number two on the Billboard chart, so that song was already hot. Bad and Bougie was, but but it did not, but it did not have pop. Co- it, it, it was number two. It, it didn't. Was number two. I, it was I, that might have been from like uh, Twitter and Instagram memes. Like honestly, the first time I heard that song was I saw a video of some cartoons dancing to it. I had no idea that was the Migos. But that's part like, of the. That's I was like, yo, this video is mad funny. That's part of the culture now, like meme rap, being on the internet, putting out stuff that'll trend and stuff like that. Like, uh, what you call it? When Drake put out views and he had that uh his him sitting on the top of the the Canadian thing, like him, his self sitting up there, and then people started putting that small Drake in we pictures. Can't. We're, that, not that, put, we're not gonna put Drake in the Migos and say I'm not I'm not talking about I don't like music. Drake like that. I'm not talking about the music. I'm talking about the idea of okay, here's my album cover. This this isn't you know 1999 where people buy physical copies and they can look at they can have a tangible album cover. This is on the internet now. So all we're doing is looking at it. Okay, I see the album cover. Now I can take this, you know, bite-sized Drake and put him on a shoulder of somebody else and make it funny. And now it's, I guess, retweets, get some, get it trending a little bit, get people talking about it. That's, that's how you get more views, no pun intended, more likes, more eyes on your product. So when you drop a song like Bad and Bougie, and then people take, like Bad and Bougie ended up on SportsCenter. Like they made a reference to that, and that stuff matters, and that you need to have something that will cross over, and that's what Bad and Bougie was. Bad and Bougie was number two before Donald Glover shouted them out. It was number two. Oh, God bless! I'm glad you could defend that that nonsense. I will All right, so it. it's not nonsense. Gonna... It's Grammy nominated. All right, whatever. All right, so the the last album that we had that was similar. I know me and Marcus, we both had. Uh, no Dope on Sundays, which for some of these debut albums to slide into my top five in the year is pretty incredible. Um, I'm not, I'm not a huge side fan. I don't, I've never heard any other projects he's done. I might go back and oh, backtrack. Wow, wow. Eh, wow. it is wow. what it is. You've it heard, is you've 
No, no, no. You've heard Sci High, the Prince's music. You just didn't know it was him. No. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Because he's because he he his his pin game is out there. Yeah, you you love a lot of Sci High and a lot a lot of Consequence if you're a Kanye fan. <laughs> well, yes. Yes. Yeah. Shout shout to him. He's actually the cousin of a guy I went to high school with, but that's another story for another day. So yeah, I, I was listening to his album like, all right, cool. I heard people talking about it. I heard, uh, I think Joe Buzz's podcast, they had one of the songs Sleeper, New Africa, which is, it had me intrigued. So I went and listened to the entire album. That album is excellent. Like, production, he, low-key, he probably has the most, the most quotable rap lyrics that people can slide into Instagram comments and Twitter bios that nobody will probably know what you're talking about unless you actually listen to the album. Like, he is what you want for a rap album where you actually go back and listen to it and like, oh, shit, I didn't catch that verse. Or you actually stop and rewind and say, all right, cool, oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, shoot, I see what he did with that rap right there. So that that's kind of the music that I'm looking for in 2018. Hopefully we get more uh, lyrical content. Uh, the vibe of it, Sometimes seemed a little bit down just production wise, but overall I thought it was a great, a great project. Lyrics, all lyrics were A1 for me. Uh production wise was great. Skippable tracks. Um damn, I just, maybe the intro. That that might be the only skippable track for me, man. Everything else is pretty, pretty damn good to me. My favorite track in the album would be Looking for Love. And if I'm not mistaken, it seems like he used a I'm about to research this, but I feel like he used a, a sample from a Kurt Franklin song. I'm about to double check on that, but yeah, look for love. So if you haven't checked out Sahai's album, definitely check that out. You're gonna have to listen to it multiple times to get all everything he was saying. It's pretty dense lyrically, so uh, that would be my last album I picked. Um, also, for you know those listening and even you two, um, his Black History Project mixtape um, that was pro and. I just uh, looked it up. I didn't even know he put out a part two to it. So I'm definitely going to be listening to that tonight. But um, part one of the, the Black History Project mixtape, that was very, a very, very, very dope, well put together um, mixtape by Sci High. I think that's probably one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I think Sci uh, High showed some pretty good range on this album, especially for it being his debut. And he had, you know, club songs, lyrical songs, uh, storytelling songs. Uh, Songs are a little bit more in depth, uh, songs for the ladies, stuff like that. But he didn't sound like he was trying to be somebody else per se. Like he wasn't just like, what's hot? Let me, go, let me just do what's hot right now. He kind of found his own lane. The, the producers on the album are not very well-known producers. I was surprised that he didn't have a Kanye beat on his album considering how much uh, work he's done for Kanye. I feel like Kanye should have thrown one. That's neither here nor there. Uh, my, I mean, I don't he know. Threw what, verse. Yeah, I mean, he threw him a verse, dope verse or whatever. But even on that song, that's that has Migos written all over it. That's that that beat that has Migos written all over it. But uh, skippable songs, I for me, I don't I don't know if there is. I think that's why it's number two for me. And <clears throat> it's just he's been he's obviously been rapping for a long time. He's been writing for a long time. And, you know, they say your debut album is something that you've been working on your whole life. And I feel like we got that from, from this album because this is, this is up there with one of the best debut albums ever. Like, he really did his thing on this album. And, you know, like uh, South Reeves was saying, this was in, you know, this was my number two album that came out this year. And this was in his top five. 
And when it comes to, to rapping and bars, it's just like, every time I listen to it, I have to, there's always something else. I'm like, yo, he really said that. Oh, he really put that together. Oh, this is what that meant. This is, there's wordplay behind everything he says. There's no, there's no throwaway bars. And he has a very unique voice. You know, he's, it's like a little bit raspy. He, he, he's almost like uh, Rick Ross. Like when Rick Ross gets on a song, you know, that's Rick Ross. And Saiha has that, uh, that type of voice also where he stands out and hopefully hopefully it doesn't take too long for his next album to come out because he needs to be up there you know talked about it when it comes when we, when we start talking about you know our top five rappers out right now hopefully he puts out enough content to be able to get into that conversation and once again you know the south is winning when it comes to music because he is from georgia he's from atlanta and he's super lyrical, so you can't go around saying that Southern rappers aren't rapping and they're not putting bars together and all that stuff, because that because they are. They're out there. That is the last album, if I didn't miss anybody. So, again, the last thing I want to say is we're going to pick an album from this list that we take on Deserted Island. For me personally, it's probably going to be a shocker, but I'm going to go with Vic Mensa only because he gives you everything. I'm gonna be trapped in the island for the rest of my life. I wanna have a variety of different sounds and tracks I can go to. Uh, so he gives you the, the party songs, he gives you the turn up songs, he gives you the introspective songs, and he gives you a good vibe through the whole album, but you can definitely, there's definitely a, a track for every mood you might have during the day. So that's what I go with Vic Pensa. So I'm like thinking real hard um, because I mean, Definitely my top five. I think all of these albums could go on this island with me. But just thinking about like with me and how my mood changes and sometimes, you know, I want to hear, you know, that lyrical content. Sometimes I just want to dance. I'm probably going to go with Big Crit just because like, well, Forever is a mighty long time if you don't, if you don't remember the album. But I mean, you got tracks where you can literally dance, like, I mean, basically Club Time, he had songs produced. Um, by Manny Fresh. Um, he has a song with Lloyd, 1999, which is kind of like a ode to like cash money kind of things like that. And then you get to the double disc. So I think that's also like the, the win with that. It's like it's two discs. Um, so you can get your turn up party side and then you have this slower kind of like, I, I want to use the word J. Cole, but like not like we're going to sleep, but kind of like that. Let me hear. Let me <laughs> let me let me be deep in my thought. Let me think about, you know, where I came from, where I'm trying to go. What you know, what does life really mean to me type of music? So I just think you get you get both of those. So if I'm on an island, you know, and it's it's hot outside, I'm getting my shit together. Like I'm definitely going to pop in disc one. But when it's time to, you know, relax and reflect, disc two is going to go in. So Big Crit will definitely go with me on my island. Uh, I feel like it would only make sense for me to pick uh, my number one album. I'm going with Damn, Kendrick Lamar. If I'm stuck on an island by myself forever, it's going to be with that one. I feel like it would help me kind of get through my situation, just being by myself with no one but my thoughts and the music. It'll give me something to think about, something to reflect on. Uh, a couple of songs that'll you know help me turn up when I'm feeling a little bit you know down about my situation. Um, the more times I listen to it, you know, I'm probably going to catch something different. I, I, I feel like, and, and if you listen to damn backwards, it still works. And I, I can appreciate that the artistry that, that goes into doing that. So it's almost like I'm taking two albums with me. So I'm going with damn. 
To the whole reverse damn thing real quick, I, I don't think it worked as great as people made it. I, I think that I think that when they heard people had that theory, they just went ahead and ran with it, but like it it kind of flows good backwards, but the starting track being the ending track, it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it for me. But that's another story for another day. But again, we appreciate y'all walking with us with the uh, committee podcast and with our top five albums. So if we can get a little more rap views in 2018, uh, we definitely want to incorporate more music into podcasts and more discussions. So if you do want to come on and shop it out about some rap CDs or, or maybe your takes or anything you want to talk about, definitely give us a holler. Uh, we pe- appreciate Tribbles for coming through. Uh, shout out to you. Y'all can follow her at what's your Twitter at? It's underscore Tribbles. So that's T R I two B's L E Z. Um, yeah, give me a follow. I talk about more than music. Yeah, if you're a Falcons fan, definitely check her out as well. Uh, yeah, Marcus underscore Sniffles. If you want to argue about culture being his top five, you can add him at Marcus underscore Sniffles. And I'm Southbridge706. This is Committee Podcast. We out. Peace.